This sermon was created with an artificial voice for the audiobook initiative on Sermon Audio. There may be mispronunciations or occasional repetitions. To report a mistake, please email us at info at sermonaudio.com and include the sermon ID or title of the message and the time at which the error occurs. We will do our best to get it corrected for future listeners. The Greatness of the Soul, Part 7, Part 7, by John Bunyan, Answer 2. Therefore the soul must be the part most sorely punished, because justice must be distributed with equity. God is a God of knowledge and judgment. By Him actions are weighed, actions in order to judgment. Now, by weighing of actions, since He finds the soul to have the deepest hand in sin, and he says that he hath so of equity, the soul is to bear the burden of punishment. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right in his famous distributing of judgment? He will not lay upon man more than right, that he should enter into judgment with God. The soul, since deepest in sin, shall also be deepest in punishment. Shall one man sin, said Moses, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? He pleads here for equity in God's distributing of judgment. Yea, and so exact is God in the distribution thereof, that he will not punish heathens so as he will punish Jews. Wherefore he saith, Of the Jew first, or chiefly, and also of the Gentile. Yea, in hell he has prepared several degrees of punishment for the several sorts or degrees of offenders and some shall receive greater damnation. And will it not be unmeet for us to think, since God is so elect in all his doings, that he will, without his weights and measures, give to soul and body, as I may say, carelessly, not severally, their punishments, according to the desert and merit of each? Answer 3. The punishment of the soul in hell must needs, to be sure, as to degree, differ from the punishment of the body there. When I say differ, I mean must needs be greater, whether the body be punished with the same fire with the soul or fire of another nature. If it be punished with the same fire, yet not in the same way, for the fire of guilt, with the apprehensions of indignation and wrath, are most properly felt and apprehended by the soul and by the body by virtue of its union with the soul, and so felt by the body, if not only yet, I think mostly, by way of sympathy with the soul. And the cause, we say, is worse than the disease, and if the wrath of God and the apprehensions of it as discharging itself for sin and the breach of the law, be that with which the soul is punished, as sure it is, then the body is punished by the effects or by those influences that the soul, in its torments, has upon the body by virtue of that great oneness and union that is between them. But if there be a punishment prepared for the body distinct in kind from that which is prepared for the soul, yet it must be a punishment inferior to that which is prepared for the soul. Not that the soul and body shall be severed, but being made of things distinct, their punishments will be by that which is most suitable to each. I say, it must be inferior, 
because nothing can be so hot, so tormenting, so intolerably insupportable as the quickest apprehensions of and the immediate sinking under. That guilt and indignation that is proportional to the offense. Should all the wood and brimstone and combustible matter on earth be gathered together for the tormenting of one body, the tormenting of one body, yet that cannot yield that torment to that which the sense of guilt and burning hot application of the indignation of God will do to the soul. Yea, suppose the fire wherewith the body is tormented in hell should be seven times hotter than any of our fire. Yea, suppose it, again, to be seven times hotter than that which is seven times hotter than ours, yet it must suppose it to be but created fire, be infinitely short as to tormenting operations of the unspeakable wrath of God, when in the heat thereof he applieth it to, and doth punish the soul for sin in hell therewith. So then, whether the body be tormented with the same fire wherewith the soul is tormented, or whether the fire be of another kind, yet it is not possible that it should bear the same punishment as to degree, because, or for the causes I have showed. Nor indeed is it meet it should, because the body has not sinned so, so grievously as the soul has done. And God proportioneth the punishment suitable to the offense. Answer 4. With the soul by itself are the most quick and suitable apprehensions of God and his wrath. Wherefore, that must needs be made partaker of the sorest punishment in hell. It is the soul that now is the most subtle at discerning, and it is the soul that will be so. Then conscience, memory, and understanding, and mind, these will be the seat of torment, since the understanding will let wrath immediately upon these, from what it apprehends of that wrath. Conscience will let the wrath of God immediately upon these, from what it fearfully feels of that wrath. The memory will then, as a vessel, receive and retain up to the brim of this wrath, even as it receiveth by the understanding and conscience the cause of this wrath, and considers the durableness of it. So then, the soul is the seat and the receiver of wrath, even as it was the receiver and seat of sin. Here then is sin and wrath upon the soul, the soul in the body, and so soul and body tormented in hell fire. Answer 5. The soul will be most tormented because strongest. The biggest burden must lie upon the strongest part, especially since, also, it is made capable of it by its sin. The soul must bear its own punishment, and a great part of the body's too, for as much as, so far as apprehension goes, the soul will be quicker at the work than the body. True, the body, by the help of the soul, will see too, but the soul will see yet abundantly further. And good reason that the soul should bear part of the punishment of the body, because it was through its allurements that the body yielded to help the soul to sin. The devil presented sin. The soul took it by the body, and now devil and soul and body and all must be lost, cast away, that is, damned in hell for sin. But the soul must be the burden-bearer. Objection. But you say, doth not this give encouragement to sinners to give way to the body, 
to be in all its members loose and vain and wicked as instruments to sin? Answer, no, for as much as the body shall also have his share in punishment. For though I have said the soul shall have more punishment than the body, yet I have not said that the body shall at all be eased by that. No, the body will have its due. And for the better making out of my answer further, consider of these following particulars. 1. The body will be the vessel to hold the tormented soul in. This will be something. Therefore man, damned man, is called a vessel of wrath, a vessel, and that in both body and soul. The soul receiveth wrath unto itself, and the body holdeth that soul it has thus received, and is tormented with, the wrath of God. Now the body being a vessel to hold this soul, that is thus possessed with the wrath of God, must needs itself be afflicted and tormented with that torment, because of its union with the body, because of its union with the body. Therefore the Holy Ghost saith, His flesh upon him shall have pain, and his soul within him shall mourn. Both shall have their torment and misery, for that both joined hand in hand in sin, the soul to bring it to the birth, and the body to midwife it into the world. Therefore it saith again, with reference to the body, let the curse come into his bowels like water, and like oil into his bones. Let it be unto him as the garment which covereth him, and for a girdle, etc., the body then, will be tormented as well as the soul. By being a vessel to hold that soul that is now possessed and distressed with the unspeakable wrath and indignation of the Almighty God, and this will be a great deal if you consider, too, that the body, as a body, will, by reason of its union with the soul, be as sensible and so as capable in its kind to receive correction and torment as ever. Nay, I think more. For if the quickness of the soul giveth quickness of sense to the body, as in some case, at least, I am apt to think it doth, then forasmuch as the soul will now be most quick, most sharp in apprehension, so the body, by reason of union and sympathy with the soul, will be most quick and most sharp as to sense. Indeed, if the body should not receive and retain sense, yea, all its senses, by reason of its being a vessel to hold the soul, the torment of the soul could not as torment be ministered to the body. No more than the fire tormented the king of Babylon's furnace, or than the king of Moab's lime kiln was afflicted, because the king of Edom's bones were burnt therein. But now the body has received again its senses. Now therefore it must, yea, it cannot choose, but must feel that wrath of God that is let out, yea, poured out like floods of water into the soul. Remember also that besides what the body receiveth from the soul by reason of its union and sympathy therewith, there is a punishment and instruments of punishment Though I will not pretend to tell you exactly what it is, prepared for the body for its joining with the soul in sin, therewith to be punished. A punishment, I say, that shall fall immediately upon the body, and that such an one as will most fitly suit with the nature of the body, 
as wrath and guilt do most fitly suit the nature of the soul. 3. Add to these the durable condition that the body in this state is now in with the soul. Time was when the soul died, and the body lived, and the soul was tormented, while the body slept and rested in the dust. But now these things are past. We're at the day of judgment, as I said, these two shall be reunited, and that which once did separate them be destroyed. Then of necessity they must abide together, and as together abide the punishment prepared for them. And this will greaten the torment of the body. Death was once the wages of sin and a grievous curse. But might the damned meet with it in hell, they would count it a mercy, because it would separate soul and body, and not only so, but take away all sense from the body, and make it incapable of suffering torment. Yea, I will add, and by that means give the soul some ease. For without doubt, as the torments of the soul extend themselves to the body, so the torments of the body extend themselves to the soul. Nor can it be otherwise because of union and sympathy. But death, natural death, shall be destroyed, and there shall be no more natural death, no, not in hell. And now it shall happen to men, as it hath done in less and inferior judgments. They shall seek death and desire to die, and death shall not be found by them. Thus, therefore, they must abide together. Death that used to separate them asunder is now slain one, one, because it was an enemy in keeping Christ's body in the grave, and two, because a friend to carnal men in that, though it was a punishment in itself. Yet while it lasted and had dominion over the body of the wicked, it hindered them of that great and just judgment which for sin was due unto them. And this is the third discovery of the manner and way of punishing of the body. But four, there will then be such things to be seen and heard, which the eye and the ear to say no more than has been said of the sense of feeling, will see and hear, will see and hear. That will greatly aggravate the punishment of the body in hell. For though the eye is the window, and the ear a door for the soul to look out at, and also to receive in by, yet whatever goeth in at the ear or the eye leaves influence upon the body, whether it be that which the soul delighteth in, or that which the soul abhorreth. For as the eye affecteth the heart or soul, so the eye and ear by hearing and beholding doth oft-times afflict the body. When I heard my belly trembled, rottenness entered into my bones. Now I say, as the body after its resurrection to damnation, to everlasting shame and contempt will receive all its senses again, so it will have matter to exercise them upon, not only to the letting into the soul those aggravations which they, by hearing, feeling, and seeing, are capable to let in thither, but I say, they will have matter and things to exercise themselves upon for the helping forward of the torment of the body. Under temporal judgments of old, the body as well as the soul had no ease day or night, and that not only by reason of what was felt, but by reason of what was heard and seen. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, 
Would God it were morning! 1. For the fear of thine heart, wherewith thou shalt fear. 2. And for the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. Nay, he tells them a little before, that they should be mad for the sight of their eyes, which they should see. See, why, what shall they see? Why themselves in hell, with others like them? And this will be a torment to their body. There is bodily torment, as I said, ministered to the body by the senses of the body. What think you? If a man saw himself in prison, in irons, upon the ladder, with the rope about his neck, would not this be distress to the body, as well as to the mind? To the body, doubtless. Witness the heavy looks, the shaking legs, trembling knees, pale face, and beating and aching heart. How much more, then, when men shall see themselves in the most dreadful place? It is a fearful place, doubtless, to all to behold themselves in that shall come thither. Again, they shall see others there, and shall by them see themselves. There is an art by which a man may make his neighbor look so ghastly that he shall fright himself by looking on him, especially when he thinks of himself that he is of the same show also. It is said concerning men at the downfall of Babylon that they shall be amazed one at another, for their faces shall be as flames. And what if one should say that even as it is with a house set on fire within, where the flame ascends out at the chimneys, out at the windows, and the smoke out at every chink and crevice that it can find, so it will be with the damned in hell. That soul will breathe hell-fire and smoke, and coals will seem to hang upon its burning lips. Yea, the face, eyes, and ears will seem all to be chimneys and vents for the flame and smoke of the burning which God by his breath hath kindled therein, and upon them upon them, which will be beheld one in another, to the great torment and distress of each other. What shall I say? Here will be seen devils, and here will be heard howlings and mournings. Here will the soul see itself at an infinite distance from God, yea, the body will see it too. In a word, who knows the power of God's wrath, the weight of sin, the torments of hell, and the length of eternity? If none, then none can tell, when they have said what they can, the intolerableness of the torments that will swallow up the soul, the lost soul when it is cast away by God, and from Him into outer darkness for sin. But this much for the cause of the loss of the soul. Doctrine second. I now come to the second doctrine that I gathered from the words namely, that how unconcerned and careless soever some now be about the loss or salvation of their souls, the day is coming, but it will then be too late, when men will be willing, had they never so much, to give it all in exchange for their souls. There are four things in the words that do prove this doctrine. One, there is an intimation of life and sense in the man that is lost, and that after he has lost his soul in hell, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? These words are by no means applicable to the man that has no life or sense. For he that is dead according to our common acceptation of death, that is, 
deprived of life and sense, would not give two pence to change his state. Therefore, the words do intimate that the man is yet alive and sensible. Now were a man alive and sensible, though he was in none other place than the grave, there to be confined. While others are at liberty, what would he give in exchange for his place, and to be rid of that for a better? But how much more to be delivered from hell, the present place and state of his soul? 2. There is in the text an intimation of a sense of torment, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I am tormented in this flame. Torment, then, the soul is sensible of, and that there is a place of ease and peace. And from the sense and feeling of torment, he would give, yea, what would he not give, in exchange for his soul? 3. There is in the text an intimation of the intolerableness of the torment, because that it supposeth that the man whose soul is swallowed up therewith would give all, were his all never so great, in exchange for his soul. 4. There is yet in the text an intimation that the soul is sensible of the lastingness of the punishment, or else the question rather argues a man unwary than considerate in his offering, as is supposed by Christ, so largely his all in exchange for his soul. But we will in this manner proceed no further, but take it for granted that the doctrine is good. Wherefore I shall next inquire after what is contained in this truth, and first, that God has undertaken and will accomplish the breaking of the spirits of all the world, either by His grace and mercy to salvation or by His justice and severity to damnation. The damned soul under consideration is certainly supposed, as by the doctrine, so by the text to be utterly careless and without regard of salvation so long as the acceptable time did last and as the white flag, that signifies terms of peace, did hang out, and therefore it is said to be lost. But behold, now it is careful, but now it is solicitous, but now what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He of whom you read in the gospel, that could tend to do nothing in the days of the gospel, but to find out how to be clothed in purple and fine linen, and to fare sumptuously every day, was by God brought so down and laid so low at last that he could crouch and cringe and beg for one small drop of water to cool his tongue, a thing that but a little before he would have thought scorn to have done, when he also thought scorn to stoop to the grace and mercy of the gospel. But God was resolved to break his spirit and the pride of his heart, and to humble his lofty looks, if not by his mercy, yet by his justice, if not by his grace, yet by hellfire, this he also threatens to bring upon the food in the Proverbs, they shall call, they shall seek, they shall cry. Who shall do so? The answer is, they that sometimes scorned either to seek or call or cry. They that stopped their ears, that pulled away their shoulders, and that refused to seek or call or cry to God for mercy. Sinner, careless sinner, didst thou take notice of this first inference, 
that I have drawn from my second doctrine? If thou didst, yet read it again, it is this God has undertaken, and will accomplish the breaking of the spirits of all the world, either by his grace and mercy unto salvation, unto salvation, or by his justice and severity to damnation. The reason for this is this, God is resolved to have the mastery, he is resolved to have the victory. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them, I would burn them together. I will march against them. God is merciful, and is come forth into the world by his Son, tendering of grace unto sinners by the gospel, and would willingly make a conquest over them for their good by his mercy. Now he being come out, sinners like briars and thorns do set themselves against him, and will have none of his mercy. Well, but what says God, saith he, then I will march on, I will go through them, and burn them together. I am resolved to have the mastery one way or another. If they will not bend to me, and accept of my mercy in the gospel, I will bend them and break them by my justice in hellfire. They say they will not bend. I say they shall. Now they shall know whose words shall stand, mine or theirs. Wherefore the apostle, when he saw that some of the Corinthians began to be unruly, and to do those things that did begin to hazard them, saith, Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? As who should say, my brethren, are you aware what you do? Do you not understand that God is resolved to have the mastery one way or another? And are you stronger than he? If not, tremble before him, or he will certainly have you under his feet. I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. Thus he speaks of them that set themselves against him. Therefore beware. Now the reason of this resolution of God, it flows from a determination in him to make all his sayings good and to verify them on the consciences of sinners. And since the incredulous world will not believe now and fly from wrath, they shall shortly believe and cry under it. Since they will not now credit the word before they see unto salvation, they shall be made to credit it by sense and feeling unto damnation. Second, the second inference that I draw from my second doctrine is this, that it is and will be the lot of some to bow and break before God too late. God is resolved, God is resolved, as I said, to have the mastery, and that not only in a way of dominion and lordship in general, for that he has now, but he is resolved to master, that is, to break the spirit of the world, to make all men cringe and crouch unto him, even those that now say, There is no God, or if there be, yet what is the Almighty that we should serve him? This is little thought of by those that now harden their hearts in wickedness, and that turn their spirit against God. But this they shall think of, this they must think of, this God will make them think of in that day, at which day they also now do mock and deride, that the scripture might be fulfilled upon them. And I say, they shall think then of those things, and break at heart, 
and melt under the hand and power and majesty of the Almighty. For as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And again the nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth, their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms or creeping things of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. For then they will they nil they shall have to do with God, though not with him as merciful or as one that may be entreated. Yet with him all just and as devouring fire Yea, they shall see that face, and hear that voice, from whom and from which the heavens and the earth will fly away, and find no place of stay. And by this appearance, and by such words of his mouth as he then will speak to them, they shall begin to tremble, and call for the rocks to fall upon them, and cover them, and cover them. For if these things will happen at the execution of inferior judgments, what will be done? What effects will the last, most dreadful, and eternal judgment have upon men's souls?